Well, we're going to get right into it. Go to Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah 63. I want to speak for a little while this morning on the subject of our great Savior. Isaiah 63, 9 for our text. It says in Isaiah 63, 9, you can remain seated. <laughs> you ready? Isaiah 63, 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. An angel of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them. And he bare them and carried them all the days of old. Father in heaven, we ask your blessing on your word today. You please help me. I feel like you laid this on my heart and gave me peace about it. And you know what it's all about. And we thank you and we love you, God, and ask your blessing today and throughout the whole day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you say this is Old Testament and he's talking about Israel, and that's true. But in Romans, we read that we have been grafted in and... It's interesting what Paul said about grafting. It's backwards of what really takes place, at least from my experience in grafting. On the farm, my father did it. But you take a, a wild apple tree or one that doesn't have really good fruit and you graft into it some maybe a little sprig or a bud that has a piece of the bark and the cambium layer and so on, so that it can make contact. You open up a limb and like in shape of a cross and peel the bark back and put that little bud in there that has the bark on it, and you put beeswax on it, maybe peanut butter, something like that. I'm kidding about the peanut butter. <laughs> um, and you tape it up, and it gets its juice from that wild or that bad tree and starts growing. It's just amazing. And you can graft uh, several different kinds of apples in. By the way, if you get an apple in the store, for instance, uh, a gala apple, which is a pretty good tasting apple, and you say, well, I'm going to take that seed from that apple and plant it, and I'll, I'll raise some gala apples. You won't get gala apples out of that. It's just, it's just the way it works. I remember last year I had some we call them volunteer tomatoes came up and over the, along by the fence. And one of them was cherry tomatoes, those little round tomatoes. I never raised any of them. Those uh, hybrid plants, you get their mixture, and somewhere along the line they mixed in some cherry tomatoes with some other tomatoes. Now, some of them came up and they were good, and I used them, but... I'm just saying that I'm glad I'm grafted in. I'm a child of God. Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I love Him. So I want to look at this here. It says, first, His affliction. In all their affliction, He was afflicted. God reacts to our problems and difficulties with tenderness. Do you believe that? You have to believe that to get through this world and live for Jesus Christ. He said, in all, of our, in all of their affliction, he was afflicted. In all of it. And I believe that in all of our affliction, Jesus Christ is there with us. It was brought out last night by Brother Brad. And what was the acrostic? 
first, and the last one was trouble, and he is certainly there. In all of our affliction, no matter what, no matter what the problem is, he's there. No matter how often we have troubles and afflictions, Jesus Christ is there. No matter how big or how little. I remember one time working in a factory in Springfield, Missouri, and I had this breaking out of the rash that I've had, and my brother used to call it my culture. It started in 1960, and it's still with me, but it's not as bad as it used to be. It used to come around my eyes, and now they've determined it's some kind of cancer. And somebody told me, one doctor told me, and I think it was Frederick Maryland several years ago, he saw my rash and my culture, and he, he ran, almost ran out of the room and came back in with a picture and said, this is what it is, this is pre-cancer. That was many years ago. It was a long pre. <laughs> but I remember that thing got to me there in that factory. I was working in a place by myself. And I said, Lord, it was the, the night shift. And I said, Lord, if I, if I finish this shift tonight, you're going to have to help me. God, you're going to have to help me. And I'm going to tell you something. You can talk about... Well, uh, no feelings in the Christian life. There are feelings. God will move in and touch you sometimes. And he lifted me up and carried me on through the shift. No matter if you don't feel like he's there, he's still there. He's with you. We can't always go by feeling, but you go by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of all those that seek him. And Hebrews eleven six, I believe. So it says that in all of our affliction, or all of their affliction, he was afflicted. Psalm twenty two twenty four says, We have not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. So what do we do when we get in those afflictions? Well, we cry out to God, and God hears. Uh, open your Bible here to Exodus 3. Uh, if you would please, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. How many are still awake? You shouldn't have gone asleep by now. I mean, so early. Exodus 3, 7 and 8. And it says, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Amen. God knows our sorrows. And I am come down... To deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large and to a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. God felt their affliction. He was afflicted with them. Sympathy is saying, well, I heard your father passed away, and I'm so sorry. Uh, I, let me uh, extend my condolences. I, I'm sorry this happened to you. It, it really is a sad time. But there's also empathy when you feel what they feel. If you've been through it, you can usually feel a little better. And I, I've even heard about husbands actually feeling the pangs of the wife in childbirth. Now, 
we know men don't have babies, right? <laughs> I don't care what they say. I've seen, I've seen people, some, I don't know what to call them, but they stand and argue that with a reporter. Oh, yes. <laughs> Talking to a conservative reporter. Oh, yes, men can. No, they can't. Okay, we see here the affliction. Secondly, we see his angel, his affliction, and then his angel. It says, and the angel of his presence saved them. His angel of his presence saved them. He's right there, his angel. He sends his angel. Sometimes uh, it's... Uh, Jesus Christ himself in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord. I'm not going to get into debate about that, but in 2 Kings chapter 6, you know this passage, but just look at it this morning, just take the time. In chapter 6, beginning with verse 8, uh, in 2 Kings, beginning with verse 8, then the king of Assyria Syria warned against, warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. This has already been mentioned this week, so reiteration here this morning. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, of and saved him Self there, not once nor twice. So we did this several times. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not shew me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, that is Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. <laughs> I, I have to laugh at all the things that God does. It shows us in his Bible. This is funny. He said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And he came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servants, servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? What, what are we going to do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Isn't that amazing? He's there. He's there. And he, with his angel, or even in his presence, the angel of presence saved them. I, I remember uh, we pulled into Cleveland Baptist Church. We had our highway coach, and we had our video van, the, the wicked video van. Yes, video, production van. Wickedness. <laughs> it was back then. 
we, we were in a uh, camp meeting with Sammy Allen one time. He had me come down there and videotape the main speakers. It was years ago. We had our cameras, set, one of them cameras set up in the back and another one somewhere else. And the lady came down the aisle, came right up to me and said, you're, they're up there on the platform preaching against television and here you are, you have this camera down here. Well, I said, he told me to do it. <laughs> but we had this van, and we parked. Uh, it was the corner of a building, and the bus was parked here, and the video van was parked over here. And I think it was Becky and the girl we had traveling with, and I'm not sure. But we had a bed in the back of the van. Underneath that was our... PA system, we had video equipment in there. I think this lady that was with us had about $150 in cash, all of our instruments and so on. And they decided to go over and spend the night with Julia. She was married at the time, Pete and Julia. And he was working then in the church, in, in the school. And I remember getting up in the morning and going out, and the van was gone disappeared. So I called him. I said, did, did you, uh, did you by any chance come back and get the van because you needed something? No, we didn't. We left it there. So we found out that somebody broke into a hot wire it, and it ended up on a loading dock somewhere. The police found it. We had to go to Indiana for another meeting. And then we came back to Cincinnati. That's where our church was. Pastor Trammell was our pastor, and he was a pilot. We heard that they'd found a van. I think somebody went and got it. I'm not sure on all the details. But he flew us up there. Does Matt remember this? He, he and my wife went in this Beechcraft Bonanza, the classic of all small planes, I was told. And he flew us up there. And we found out that they had stolen two VHR, VCR rather, players. We, uh, they were duplicators. We had five of them. I think they stole two of them, and they didn't bother anything else. I remember that one of the fellows in Cleveland, one of the staff members, he said, you know what they do? And this is before we found it. He said, you know what they do? They take it out and those vehicles out and chop them all up and sell them for parts. And he kept going like that. I said, oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm bothered enough as it is. But I thought about that later. Why, why did the girls, why didn't the Lord allow them to stay in the van that night? You never know. It might have been just some silly kids or it might have been somebody dangerous. You never know. The angel Lord protects us. Think about, and I think, I think this came from Spurgeon. And by the way, I'm reading a book by Spurgeon, and every little bit he says this could be rendered a different way, and just perhaps a better rendering is this, and so on. Did you know that, all you Spurgeon lovers? <laughs> uh, then he came out and said plainly that he's a Calvinist. Bless his heart, but God still used him. Yeah, but he, I think he told this story about a farmer working with some kind of an instrument along a fence line, and he heard some hounds baying way off. 
And they kept getting closer and closer, and he looked up and he saw this fawn, you know, a, a baby deer come running, his tongue hanging out. Uh, that's where they sweat in their tongue. You knew that, didn't you? And no, dogs sweat that way, I know. And, and that fawn came right up and fell right down by his feet as if to say, Help me! Protect me! And I think he had maybe, I hope he had a scythe. Uh, but anyhow, he said there wasn't any beast of any kind that was going to come and get that fawn because it had cast itself on him for protection. And that's the way God feels about us, I believe. Anything that happens to us is within his care, within his hands, and his angels take care of us, I believe. See his atonement here. Thirdly, in his love and his pity, he redeemed them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them. His affliction, his angels, his atonement. He is our redeemer. In his love, he says, in his love. John 3.16, the verse that I believed when I got saved. People say you can't get saved with that verse. I did. You know, people, people make salvation so difficult. The difficulty is getting to the place where you're ready. It took me about three weeks of crying out to God and waiting for a feeling to hit me, and it never came until I sat in that office there in Akron Baptist Temple, and Dr. Billington pointed me to John 3.16. He didn't take me down the Romans Road. He knew I had been down the Romans Road several times. He knew I knew I was lost. And he just took me to John 3, 16 and explained the gospel to me, how Christ died for me. And I remember tears come down my face and I didn't, I didn't work it up. I said, I couldn't believe how Jesus would do that for me. But he did. He redeemed us. In his pity comes a word which means to spare or have mercy. James uh, 55, 11b said, You have heard the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very... Pitiful and tender mercy. That doesn't mean that he's in a sad shape. It means that he cares and he feels what we feel, remember? He redeemed them, the Bible says, and he's redeemed us. If we're saved today, how many still with me today? All right, we're moving along. We're almost done here. I read this story. I like stories like this. People say, yeah, um, three points and an illustration or two and a poem. Well, that's what I have here this morning. And I like that old-time kind of preaching, too, where you use illustration. But I read a story about an orphan boy who had to go stay with his grandmother. And he was sleeping upstairs, and she was down on the lower level, and the house caught on fire. And she tried to get to him, but she couldn't. She perished in the flames. But there was some people outside, and there was a man that saw this metal pipe. He used to have these drain pipes made out of cast iron. He climbed up that metal pipe. He got that boy on his back, and the boy wrapped his arms around his neck, and he brought him down that pipe. And so sometime later, they were going to decide, now, here this boy's all by himself, and who's going to take him? There was a farmer there. He was glad to take him. There was some businessman had a lot of money he was willing to take him but this man showed up and he walked to the front of the crowd 
and he took his hands out of his pocket and held them out like that, and his hands were all scarred and burned because he had brought that boy down that pipe. He had gone up there and brought him down. And it makes me think of Jesus Christ. His people one day are going to say, what are those wounds in thy hands? Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And, and, and the Bible talks about, yea, a mother, mother may give up their children, but I'll never give up you. I have graven thee on the palms of my hand. Don't you think Jesus Christ still has the scars there? Yes. I do. They're going to remind us throughout eternity of his love for us. Yes. Oh, what a Savior that would love us. So much. Then we see his age here. It says, He bare and carried them all the days of old. He bare them. He tells us to cast all of our care upon him. Casting all your care upon him. First Peter 5, 7. And every time I think of that verse, I think about when I worked in the office equipment building in B.F. Goodrich Company in Akron, Ohio. Uh, we just uh, repaired office equipment, and uh, office equipment, let, let me ask you this. How many know what a comptometer is? You do? That dates you. <laughs> a, com- a comptometer is simply uh, an adding machine, a glorified adding machine. But back in those days, they had no electric machines, really. I don't think, they may have had electric typewriters, but... Uh, I don't think those that we worked with were. But anyhow, we had a mailboy, and there was no Internet. Uh, I'm going to call him Roy. I don't remember his name. But Roy carried the mail four times a day. He'd come through all the offices bringing the interplant mail. You know, memos at different parts of the building was sending to somebody else. And I had a friend that was kind of ornery. His name was Paul Miller. He was uh, from the Akron Baptist Temple. This, uh, his testimony might be wasn't as sharp as it should be. But, and at the time, I wasn't saved because that was before I went to college up here. And we had this solution. It was full-strength ammonia. It's much... Powerful, much more powerful than Mr. Clean. And was in a two-gallon jug. There was about a gallon of it in there. So Roy comes through with the mail. And he, his elevator didn't go quite all the way to the top. And so Paul sensed this. And so he thought he'd tease him a little bit. And he told him, he had told him about some hair tonic that he had mixed up. And Hashim, he said, you... Roy, would you like to smell it? He said, yeah. So when he came through one time, he got this jug out, and it was a glass jug. About a gallon of full-strength ammonia in it. And he handed it to Roy, and Roy took it, and Paul reached up and pulled the cork out of the top. And Roy took that thing in his hands, and he lifted up to his nose. And when that odor hit his nose, he went, yow! And he threw that jug out on the concrete floor, and it smashed. And you should have seen the people getting out of there. And I'm glad that 
that Mr. Burt was the, the boss was not there in that room at the time. Uh, we have all I think we've all been in trouble. So I thought about that. If we could just handle our cares the same way, casting all your care upon Him, yay! <laughs> there, Lord, take that. Amen. He says he bare and carried them all the days of old. He takes his, he takes our care upon him. Jesus, what a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Jesus, what a strength and weakness. Let me hide myself in him, tempted, tried, and sometimes failing. He my strength, my victory wins. Jesus, what a help in sorrow, while the billows o'er me roll. Even when my heart is breaking, he my comfort helps my soul. Jesus, what a guide and keeper, while the tempest still is high. Storms about me, night overtakes me. He my pilot, hears my cry. Jesus, I do now receive him. If you haven't received him, receive him today. More than all in him I find, he hath granted me forgiveness. I am his and he is mine. Hallelujah, what a savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He was with me to the end. My great savior. We see his affliction. We see his angel with his his atonement and his aid. Father, we ask your blessing on your word today. We thank you for this time. Speak to those, Lord, that need to have you move in close to them today. Be with those that may need you and never really been born again. We ask you in Christ's name. Amen.